Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Welcome to another edition of the Walker AC Experience. Coming to you live, of course, for a nice Saturday. I am Walker AC, and to you, my friends, yes, you are my friends, this is Adrian. And with this, I'm going to introduce you to my co-host, my partner in crime, my friend with the intelligence to balance out my idiocracy. This is Kevin Yu. Hey, Kevin, how's it going? Hello. How's it going, everybody? Happy Halloween. <laughs> yes, at our age, I really don't do Halloween anymore because I'm scary enough. I should be under a bridge scaring little children. And plus, the sugar gives me the diabetes. So, uh, what are your plans for Halloween? I don't know. I just, it just feels like such a chore. To me, again, when you get older, I don't want to put a lot of effort and money into things. It's kind of like when you're younger, yeah, Halloween. It's like the same thing as a concert where you're willing to go out and, you know, be nuts and all that. I'm just like, oh, that sounds like a lot of work. (laughs) And nowadays, and of course, I mean, I'm not really uh, preaching anything new, but as we get older, Halloween is more of a dress up like a whore day. And, you know, you see all the women in the skimpy outfits, it gives them their one excuse to dress scantily clad and go to parties and stuff like that, you know, had never really, uh, never really done anything for me. You know, I was more into seeing my little ones dress up and have a good time, more or less, you know, seeing Jane down the road at age 36 dressing up as a slutty nurse. I have no problem with that at all. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, fact, you know, I was like, you know, people should be able to read what they want. Who cares? Just people get all weird about it. I'm just like, it's not that big of a deal, is it? I mean, it, maybe it's just the American thing because in other countries have different standards, but, you know, there's some people even more conservative. I'm like, you know, I, I think, like, public nudity, public nudity laws are just, are, it's a law looking for a prime, you know? And I can agree with you on that end um, because as I left the U.S. and seeing other cultures, I was taken aback uh, at my young age when I was in Germany and we were in Berlin and I got a newspaper and there was a burlesque advertisement on front page. And of course, all the ladies were topless and everything. And I'm like, wow, I get to see boobies, you know, and I had to pay for it. Um, so I was just, it, it, was, it was a nice little culture shock. But yes, you, you are correct to an extent that public nudity really shouldn't be made a big deal of. You know, I just know for me that if my civic and other was out there burying herself. I would have issue with that. But that's a whole nother separate, you know, kind of topic. Um, But Halloween for me at my age, once again, I guess I'm that old man screaming at clouds and saying back in my day. And uh, and once again, to to each his own. I just don't really feel the need to have, have all people dress up scantily clad, exploiting the holiday tradition of Halloween, which 
is kind of made up holiday, but you know, once again, neither here nor there. All holidays made up. <laughs> well, yes, because you know, when I think about you know Easter and Jesus Christ, I think about Cadbury eggs. So kind of. Well, it's also fun to think about the real tradition, like real um, history of holidays, because a lot of holidays were co-options of pagan holidays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and people really don't dig into that because it's spooky, spooky, scary to them, you know, thinking about how grim everything was back then. So, you know, we think of Halloween dressing up. We think about, you know, Easter eggs, Christmas gifts. You know, they kind of just bastardize the actual true meaning of it. But once again, you look back at it, you're like, really? It meant that? Oh, goodness. And why are we hiding eggs? You know? Yeah, oh well, but it's, I mean, just this past month, like, yeah, this past Monday or so, it was um, Indigenous Peoples Day, formerly known as Columbus Day, and oof, the realities of that. Oh, yes, because in the history books, you know, know, history is always bright and chipper, except for those damn slaves, Kevin, you know, those darn slaves ruined everything, you know. The Mayflower was so happy, Christopher Columbus was such a happy guy. You know, forget about polio and killing Indians and stealing lands and slaves. No, come on. That's where Thanksgiving came from, so it's okay. Oh, so silly. Yeah, even like, um, I was once uh, showing a children's book to a kid, and like, it was like some popular uh, series called Pete the Cat. And I'm like, oh, this is the very problematic version of Thanksgiving. I will not use this book again. <laughs> It was just interesting because, not to dip into it too much, in class at a very young age, you know, you talk about, you know, your fantasy books, your Snow White and the Seven Dwarves and, and um, no, excuse me, you know, Cinderella, stuff like that. And then they bring out um, the Grimm Tales. Are you familiar with, with uh, the Grimm Brothers? Oh, yeah. Like the original version of like Cinderella and all that. It's, yeah, it's like, geez, people are crazy. They have, have been crazy throughout time. Yeah, and actually learned about, like, the, the quote-unquote true stories of Cinderella and Snow White and how grim and gruesome and violent it was versus, you know, the, you know, the Anglo-Saxon, Caucasian, you know, Cinderella and stuff like that, how clean that was. And, yeah, once again, nice little culture shock. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> It's once again, it's really interesting to, you know, to hear about the history and how things, how they were originally before they got pasteurized, mm-hmm. homogenized and just cleaned up for everybody. Um, I mean, yeah, the people couldn't even handle the new version of The Little Mermaid. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, that's a whole nother topic, folks. You know, they're like, <laughs> like, oh, she's not white? Evil. You know, that's crazy. <laughs> you know, that's crazy talk. She should be white. You know, it's. More people were totally white. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the same people. The same people that cling on to that Jesus is white. Okay, <sighs> yeah, we're not going to go there, folks. We'll just let that one alone. <laughs> yeah. So you got some topics for us today? Yes, yes, we do. Before we get canceled. Um, yes. So, in the wrestling world, and no, my dear people, we're not going to dip into the deep dive of professional wrestling. I'm only going to steal a term of it for just a moment. In wrestling, there's a term called heel and face. Now, the heel 
as a bad guy. The face is a good guy, a baby face, a clean cut person that does the goody goody things versus the evil dastardly villain who twirls his mustache and puts damsel in distress on, on robo tracks. Um, my question to you, Kevin, as we start to deep dive into this, is you and I are relatively calm people. You know, Zen people, we've, just like everybody else, has experienced the highs and lows of life and traumas and things like that, which create, which made us who we are to this day. So I'm going to, I'm kind of going to, kind to, kind of go in a different way. It's always been said that you never tell your greatest fears to anyone because who knows who's listening and who knows what people will use that against you. My biggest fear is a million dollars flooding my bed. That's my biggest fear. Um, <laughs> but on the opposite end of that, I want to know what really angers somebody. I know we touched upon this many, many shows before, but other than the personal things, family, loved ones, things of that nature, what really turns, you know, Kevin, you 180 into a person that wants to not necess- not necessarily seek vengeance, but just go off into a swearing fit. You know, and uh-huh. and threaten bodily damage to people. You know what really what really sets you off, other than the obvious. Well, um, I think the thing that's um, really the way to hurt anybody is to hurt their ego. That is the number one way to really get under someone's skin. Um, uh, if you can manipulate somebody's sense of pride, it's also a really great way to hurt them. I was hearing the story about, um, if you remember the old movie Predator, um, if you haven't seen it out there, it's a pretty great movie. Uh, um, there was, a, again, uh, to reference wrestling, um, a wrestler named Jesse the Body Ventura, also a governor. And so the doctor told him, hey, um, you, your, your biceps are one inch bigger than, than Arnold Schwarzenegger, who was in the movie. And so, you know, he was like, wow, that's great. So he challenged um, Arnold to, uh, I guess, a contest. And then, like, they measured each other's arms. Turned out it was the other way around, that Arnold's arms were bigger. And what had happened is that Arnold made, like, set it all up. He told the doctor to tell him that. And so it just, you know, it exploited Jesse the body of chair's um, ego and made it made him look like a fool in the end. And so... It is like the way to really hurt somebody. If somebody like you know criticizes me, especially something that I worked for and I take a lot of pride in. It really, really makes me mad. Like you know, if I if I invested something into it and somebody just like completely diminishes it, or it's like, I think some of the, I think the thing that makes like um, being racial like having your identity made fun of, especially if you know your personal diversity. Is because it's something that you could be proud of, and so painful to have that turned against you. You know, with something that could be really beautiful about you, and to have it kind of twisted, it's really hurtful. And um, it's that's the way to get someone to understand. It's like if someone like kind of um, denigrates like my accomplishments. Like I once knew somebody that like said, "Oh yeah, anybody could get a, a, a um, you know." Uh, Pete, you know, advanced degree. All you gotta do is just try. 
And that just like set me off. Like I just lost it. I was like, do you know how hard it is? Do you know how much money to spend? Do you know how much time? Do you know how you get to beat out other people? Do you know you can just like not get it just because you're unlucky? You have no idea. I just went in this tirade because like to have that whole process diminished like that really was insulting to me. How about you? I thought about this one for a while before I even broached the topic because, you know, as men, we have to control our emotions because if we don't, you know, one of two things is going to happen. Either we're going to wind up in jail or we're going to wind up dead. So we have to have a stranglehold on things, no pun intended. Um, But to piggyback on what you said about identity um, and, of course, not to make this about something totally uh, off topic, but, you know, being racially uh, challenged about, you know, about who I am, meaning, you know, Walker AC, you don't sound black or you don't look black or you don't act black. That used to be the, you know, the trigger that would get me to, 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 lose, to lose my temper, you know, because my first response back then would be, how dare you? You know, you don't know how we're supposed to act. You don't know how we're supposed to talk. You don't know how we're supposed to dress. So how dare you make that assessment about me? You know, are you, you know, are you freaking stupid? You know, this stuff like that, I fly off the handle so easily about it. But then, of course, as time goes on, as much experience that life teaches us, I kind of let that go. Um, And then when someone would try to attack my ego, I realized that due to my past, I don't have that much of an ego. Um, I'm all, most of my humor years ago was all self-deprecating and I try to get out of that as much as I possibly can because once again why poke fun at yourself you know you're, you're who you are so why feed into that you know why feed into making fun of you know the way I talk the way I look why do it to myself versus let anybody else do it so that kind of went by the wayside a little bit uh, so now the only thing that sets me off aside from the personal is just like you, my work, uh, my, my work ethic, the passion that I put in to a podcast, the passion that I put into my actual, you know, real life shoot job. If someone questions my integrity of my job, that really sets me off because once again, who are you to tell me how to do my job? Who are you to gauge my success when you haven't even done what I've done or, you know, walked a mile in my shoes kind of thing? You know, it's a, how dare you? I'll stab you in the neck with an unsharpened pencil, you know, stuff like that. Um, yeah, it just very, very little sets me off other than the personal stuff. So the reason why I ask this question is how do you, how do you handle when that happens? How do you cope, you know, when your buttons have been pushed? You know, what do you do to kind of reset yourself, you know, before you take the next step in that whole process of being angry? Well, I think it's about kind of accepting the way you feel and letting yourself experience it. And so I don't think it's about, I think people take the wrong idea of control. It's just like them just like, you know, not deal with it or make it manifest in an unhealthy way. It's kind of just acknowledging it and just letting yourself, giving yourself permission to feel what you feel. And because what you feel doesn't have to dictate your actions. It doesn't. It's really easily to let it happened that way but it's not a hundred percent you know guarantee you have to be this way you don't have to like hurt somebody or do something stupid or hurt yourself it, it's just like, 
something you had to just keep thinking of, like keep in your mind as you experience what you feel. Because um, I've heard it put that like, you know, even as as hard as you you try to take vacations or just avoid your feelings, they're still waiting for you. They will wait for you. And so, when you think about the things that you let go in the past and you've dealt with, you know, maybe it's because you had the wherewithal to accept the way you felt and just really consider it and just accept it and just that maybe that's how you control it and that's how you take your power back by letting it just manifest and just wash over you and wash away. And how easy is that, you know, to, to allow something to wash away? I mean, how much time does it take for you to really subside, you know, the anger? Depends. It all depends, really, and, like, it depends on, like, what it was or, like, how recent it was or just how it affected me. Like, um, you know, for example, like, oh, um, like, I don't know, um, getting ripped off for something, like, oh, you paid too much. That really annoyed me, but, you know, I could let go of that. But if, you know, somebody, you know, some stranger went out to spite me, I'd be probably really mad because like, just like some guy or whatever just, just came up to me for no reason. I'm really mad. <laughs> but it's um, it's it's like a practice. Any skill, any virtue, it takes practice. And the more you do it, the, the more you're equipped to be. Whereas if you know you have you're out there with no sense of 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 yourself and how to react, you know you might end up, you know, being on the internet for bad reasons. <laughs> yes. Trust me. I know about that. And I know some people who are out there. Um, but to, to answer my own question, how do I decompress for something like when, when I finally lose my Zen, when I finally break it, you know, I have to really, I have to literally step back and I have to look into myself, get into myself and just, try to do a, do a hard reset and really to realize what's around me and what I have versus if I make that detrimental move, you know, that would hurt my career, hurt my life, hurt my family, stuff like that. You know, because I mean, once you reach that point, you know, Kevin, to where you have that violent side, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really pretty bad. And I've been very lucky. I haven't had to tact upon that in years. Because of course, you know, okay. once because once again, all I have to do is strike the angry man blackface, and I think I can get I think I can get out of most uh, issues, you know, like most situations. Oh, relying on the fact that a lot of secretly or not so secretly terrified of black people. It's a small bonus thing I have going on with me right now, you know, <laughs> other than the stereotypes of I play basketball, run fast, and hung like a bear. Now, but you know, we're not going to talk about that. Um, <laughs> Now, now the now the other side of the coin, because I know um, there is so much violence going on in the world that we're not really going to harp on because this this isn't that kind of show. What what little things that makes Kevin you smile that puts his mind at ease that that relaxes you and puts you in a good place? So we're going to go on the other side of the spectrum. Hmm. Little things like that, eh? Um, I like. Little things almost like aromatherapy is really nice. When something smells really nice, that's like a nice, like, 
like kind of thing that reminds you, oh, that was really nice. Or just having, um, when food is better than you expect it to be, it's really good. It's like, oh, this is, this is really great. Or um, just when things go smoothly, when you can get, when things just, there's no curveballs and you can get things done. And then, you know, finish quickly. Like, okay, that was really nice. Um, yeah, just, or just people being really nice to each other. Just people like really extending that kind of like humanity to each other. That's just also a really great thing to have. Because like, when you don't want to have it, then it's like, oof, the world can be rough. <laughs> now, what you? now, I'm asking you two questions and I'll go on mine. Um, aromatherapy, two, it is a two-parter. One, what got you into aromatherapy? And two, what types of aromas that calm you down? Hmm. Uh, it's just experiences like in going like do yoga and like that kind of like, spiritual practices. Um, like sounds like lavender or like vanilla, um, maybe like a citrus that's a little more energizing. But it's just really nice. It just puts it engages you in a certain way. Where it's like it's pleasant. It's and you know it, it is something that's um your scent of smell can be, you know, it, it's really, it's an interesting sense. It's an interesting sense because when your brain's wired, it like, it, it's like under your brain, it's your olfactory nerves. And then, you know, it, it can be also highly tied to memory as well. And so it's just an interesting um, sensation to have. It's, and it's really pleasant. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Because, I can agree with that because there are some smells and everybody can relate to this. There are some smells that are bring you back to a place or they'll make you think about somebody. And in saying that, I remember a little bit part of cereal and beer, cheap plug, um, that um, Jeff mentioned that he was doing something outside. And he got a whiff of somebody's hair shampoo, which made him think of his ex-girlfriend. You know, which brought him back to that particular point. And we all can relate. There are certain smells in the world that will bring us back to a certain spot in our life. So aromatherapy, I, I, I like that. And that's something that I really should try out. Yeah, it's uh, exactly. You can just find some deals out there and uh, try to find a nice diffuser and get some essential oils. And there you go. Yeah, so I go to my local bath and body workshop if that's if that place is still open. Uh, <laughs> so the things that make me happy, um, as my, as my fans would know, and as you and I know, I'm a very simplistic kind of guy. Um, I'm a very minimalistic kind of guy. So I, I, I choose not to have a whole lot of things around me. So little things that make me happy is being in my castle. Number one, not that my loathe of people, just, I love being inside my castle because that is the quote unquote safe space for me. You know, when I fight dragons all day long and I walk through my door, all that's left behind me. So that's one of the main things that makes me happy. Um, number two is doing a podcast. I've said ad nauseum, doing a podcast, in my opinion, my belief, really doesn't take a whole lot of skill. You turn on the microphone and you talk. And there isn't really any kind of structure for a podcast. 
you can talk for three minutes, 30 minutes, three hours, three days. And a positive sign of this is people will listen, whether it be one person or 100 people. Some things will listen to what you have to say. So this is my little safe haven to where I can hit, hit the microphone record button and just talk. So that eases my mind of all the day's struggles. No matter what I've been through, outside, once I'm back inside, my body's calm, my mind is calm. Once I hit the microphone, I'm even more relaxed and more calm, talking to good people, having good conversations, whether it's silly, whether it's controversial, whether it's intellectual, just something you know, that, relax, that relaxes my mind also. And the good thing about what you mentioned, aromatherapy, everybody can do. A podcast, everybody can do. So it's not something that's just exclusive for a certain group of people. Right, exactly. It's not like we have to climb Machu Picchu or, or, or something extremely, extremely like that. I do feel like there are some people who are um, kind of um, living for highs and it's easy to do that. Like you want to find the next biggest thing, you want to tackle the next, next biggest challenge. And I can see the appeal of that. But it just seems that when something's, um, some I've heard it put that wanting something is almost making a promise to yourself that you'll be unhappy until you get it. Whereas like these things are so easily accessible, if you really appreciate it, it can be really nice. Hmm. That's definitely a good thing too. But I can honestly tell you, um, as far as you know, getting various highs out there like a runner's high or climbing a mountain or something like that i'm I'm not gonna lie i'm a fraidy cat so uh, that's something i'm never going to do Um, if i run uh, i believe i'll blow out a hip or i'll collapse a lung so i think i'm good on my peloton i I think i'm really good with that and uh my last topic for i hand it over to you no pressure no pressure whatsoever is What what upcoming holidays will you be celebrating in uh, uh, in your culture? I'm I'm curious. Uh, well, mid autumn, as we mentioned in the last podcast, mid autumn moon festival's over. So I mean, just seems like you know, Halloween. I want to do something, but that's going to take effort on my part. But Thanksgiving will be nice because this year, my family will be with extended family and we haven't done that in a long long time so that'd be really really nice just you know to be with people like like the old days eating too much like being very ethnic about it and not having a lot of traditional american thanksgiving food <laughs> <How about you? laughs> well i mean we uh, i'm you know of course in that uh, saddle of thanksgiving you know to where we make the turkey and all this other fun stuff like that um we, we do things differently. Uh, we have, we'll do Thanksgiving between three to four houses. Um, I would cook something. My mom would cook something. My sister would cook, so, sister would cook something along with my brother. And we'd all just go from house to house to house eating food and getting fat and having the itis and falling asleep. Um, so that's, that's a good Thanksgiving tradition for us. We're used to that. Now, of course, once again, forgive my ignorance. Um, what I mean, what, what do you guys, what do you guys eat? I mean, what, what, what do you eat personally other than, you know, your standard turkey? Um, I don't know. Nowadays, more of a hybrid of just more of the traditional Thanksgiving food and more like the 
just like the the Cantonese cuisine that we normally enjoy, like maybe a um, I don't know, like a salted chicken or maybe um, like a certain type of veggie dish or a seafood dish, um, like maybe fish, like a maybe like a rice dish. It's kind of like it, it, it you know, but the, like the thing that's important is not to do it yourself because that takes too much time. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I mean. Do you, I mean, um, I mean, like, uh, do you bother cooking anything yourself, or you know, or just that, or, or that's up to the family? It's up to the family, and besides, like, you know, with how how life is, just like, just buy it. <laughs> <laughs> like, people just—it's nice to make things on your own. That's great too. That's really, really nice. But just the way that I don't know, the way people are feeling these days, like, we're just gonna buy our Thanksgiving, and we're gonna be happy with it that way. Well, I'll be sure I come visit you on Thanksgiving. I'll bring you some Panda Express. You know, just just make you happy. Oh my God! Well, it looks like opposite Thanksgiving. It's like, <laughs> hmm. why would I say Thanksgiving uh, in a bizarre world? Like, um, spite receiving. Spite. Hey? <laughs> <laughs> you're like, you're like, you're like, thanks, Adrian. This asshole brought me Panda Express. <laughs> Ghost the animals. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, do, do you have any topics on your end? Do you have any questions on 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 your end or anything you wish to talk about? Because I do have something for you towards the end of the show. Sure. Um, how about this? Um, okay. What what is something that you enjoy that is kind of controversial and or problematic? Like, for example, um, I still enjoy Michael Jackson's music. You know, I feel that there's a new documentary about him out now, which adds more, even more to the story about who he was and how, like, how hard of a life he had. And then, you know, and then, you know, after that one documentary came, came out, was it like, like Finding Neverland or something like that? And, you know, people really, really didn't like him. But I think he's a really complex person, and he was, you know, maybe he was a victim of his own, of you know, of the past, um, and a victim of um, of his abuse of my dad. And, but you know, I still like his music. Still, you know, want to hear "Beat It" and uh, "Smooth Criminal." <laughs> so, is there anything like that for you? Uh, yes, actually, yes. Um, I'll piggyback. I'll piggyback on that real quick. Um, yes. Always loved Michael Jackson ever since I can remember. And um, I watched that documentary or movie, if that's what I call it, Save Your Neverland. And of course, come to find out, um, the, some of the people who, did, who uh, accused him of it, they actually lied. So he was, so he was actually innocent, which is, which is kind of hilarious. Um, it goes back to the old phrase, um, you never die with clean hands. You know, mm-hmm. um, so no matter what, no matter what good you do in life, you know, you'll never die clean because someone will always try to, to find something on you or to bring up something on you or to try to ruin you or various things of that nature. Not going to get into that. Um, but yeah, no, no matter what he'd been through, um, I still enjoyed his music because I enjoyed the art, not necessarily the person because I don't know him. You know, he's not my brother, he's not my best friend. You know, I enjoyed the music. So when all these accusations came out and finger pointing and stuff like that, 
I, I paid it no mind because I fell for the music and not him. And so I can put on a CD. It's a, it's a small disc millennials. I can put on a CD and listen to Michael Jackson and dance to the music and have a great time with it because I understood where it started, where it is and, and, and what it is now. So that doesn't bother me. Um, a controversial thing, um, and most of the people won't realize this, but you guys can pause the podcast and look this up. Uh, Kevin, you'll know this person. Uh, there's a wrestler named Chris Benoit. Yes. So it's B-E-N-O-I-T, people. Pause the podcast, go on Google, go on YouTube, look him up. He was a professional wrestler, and I use that word was because he's passed away. So a brief little synopsis on what Chris Benoit is. He was a professional wrestler for many, many years. Now, I think this has been over five or six years. I could be wrong. Um, there was an incident to where they found his, his wife and his son passed away. They were killed. And, and they found him hung in, a, in his gym. So they concluded that he killed his wife and his son and hung himself. It was a humongous controversy. WWE wiped him from the record books. He is a humongous stain on the wrestling business because of what he's done. Now, in saying that, if this is true, obviously I don't condone anything of the sort. But as a wrestler, I enjoy watching his wrestling matches because he's a tremendous wrestler. And he had a great story before everything took a nasty turn. So a controversial take, I still watch his matches. I still hold him in high regard because he's a great freaking wrestler. And I've been watching him since Japan, since America, ECW. You name it, I watch all his matches. So, and of course, you mentioned his name in the pro wrestling world. You know, you get, you get the side eye because they're going to say, you know, how dare you look at him? How dare you speak of him? How dare you watch anything of him because he's a murderer and stuff of that nature? The truth is, we don't know. We just don't know. So I focus on the art, just like I do with Michael Jackson. I don't focus on a person. I focus on the art. So that's one of my controversial things there. Yeah, and I do think it's kind of interesting because like, just like everybody, there, there's got to be some hater out there or like something they didn't do right. You know, like... Anybody and everybody, it's gonna, it's gonna happen. We're all human, and it's gonna be that way. And I think it's just really, in, like, when you really think about it, it's, it is challenging when you think like, um, how far removed is the art from the artist? Can it be? Like sometimes, like you can't because of the intent. If it's, um, let's just say like, R. Kelly, he's easy to hate. You know, he has some amazing musical talent, but what he did was just really heinous and some of the music was just so like high in plain sight about what he was doing and so that's that's really hard to divorce it you know the art from the artist and like or like um even like a painter like Salvador Dali when you think it when you think about the like who he really was like man this guy's a creep but he made some amazing art and so maybe that's the case where you can you know think the art stands on its own it just it just it's like it takes some effort to really consider it and it may be different for each person that not everybody's a monolith we all will 
we will all see something and interpret it in a different way. And it is it's just having more nuanced view on, on the world and how people are in art. Yes. And, and even speaking of art, you know, you can speak of, of, of Woody Allen. And of course, once again, people, you can always pause and find out who Woody Allen is. Um, he's done a couple of horrific things. But once again, you look at, you look at the art and you'll find out that he's a good artist. Not, a, not as a person, because once again, we don't know the person. We're not related to them. We're not friends with them. But his art is really good. Or a director, Roman Polanski. Um, are you familiar with his work? Oof, yeah. Yeesh. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yeah, so you think of Roman Polanski. People, you can pause and look it up as well. He's done some horrendous things. But once again, his work separates him from the person. And now, of course, of course, I know some people out there cannot separate the two. And it's not a detriment that people choose not to. That's their own prerogative. But I can separate the person from their work. Polanski is a human being. I wouldn't have a cup of coffee with him. <laughs> I would stay far away from him. <laughs> but I can appreciate his work, just like Chris Benoit, his wrestling, Michael Jackson, and his music. R. Kelly, I never liked his music, so... I can really give two hoots, you know, about, you know, about his artist, about his work or him as a person. Um, and I even throw one more out there for you, Kevin. DMX. Love his music. Oh, oh Dark Man X. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He was some real fun music. He was like, he was pumping all the jams, but like, yeah. He was, he was like a the derogatory word for, you know, gay people a lot in his music. I'm like, because, like, you know, it was fun to go back, like, oh, geez, he, he used that word a lot. Like, eh, I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, well, I mean, once again, it was, it was for that time. You know, it was for that time. So that was more acceptable for that time. And to really lob the ball back at you, what do you think, in your personal opinion, because now in this generation, whether it be fish, it's, it's neither fish nor fowl. This generation frowns upon things that were in our previous generation, meaning like American Pie, like Blazing Saddles, like Bachelor Party with Tom Hanks, or particular music with Eminem where he says the F word a lot, gay slurs a lot, the N word a lot, stuff like that. It was accepted for that particular time, for that particular generation. Now, is not accepted. You know, now they edit everything to the teeth. Or now they'll go so far out there, they'll ban particular movies, even though it was made in the 60s, for example. Um, I'll, give, I'll give you one, and I'll have you reply. For example, um, they banned Speedy Gonzalez, a cartoon. And once again, people, pause, pause the podcast. Google or YouTube Speedy Gonzalez. It's a cartoon about a Hispanic mouse that runs really fast. They banned that because they deemed that offensive. And it was a cartoon, people. Not as bad as South Park, not even close to being offensive. It was just a fast Mexican mouse. That's how, in my beliefs, that's how petty it got. So I'll throw that ball back to you, Kevin. So, um, when we think about it... When 
I think a lot of this still is not forgivable. See, the reason why is because you think about who it was made for and who made it. Now, let's think of the F word. You know, it was used to antagonize um, gay people. It was used to, you know, it's a reference to the bundle of sticks that they would, you know, they used to burn gay people. And that it wasn't questioned in the past because there's no motivation to stop it. That the people that were negatively impacted just had to take it. That's all you had, that's all you can do. You take it and, you know, either, you know, not let it bother you or freak out. And that's all that you have. And so it came, it, it was all that way. Um, and then, you know, with all these words that, you know, that came out there and all the imagery, it was out to antagonize people of diversity. And when, you know, when you think about World War II Looney Tunes, you know, it was like really ugly caricatures of Japanese people. Um, I recall when I was a child seeing a Warner Bros. cartoon that specifically made fun of Chinese people. And me being so ignorant as a child, I asked my mom and dad, like, what are they, are they trying to like imitate us? And they just like, were just show their heads and just walked away. Not until later I decided the ugly truth. So as time goes on, and I, I see it as two ways. Number one, is that the defective people, people that, you know, were the target. We were able to gain cultural influence. We were able to make our way into the mainstream and affect change and demand, hey, treat us with dignity. And on the other hand, it's also the people with money decided, hey, when we pander to people, we can make money. All of a sudden, oh yeah, um, pink ribbons, yeah, that's great. We'll, we'll, we'll make money off the women. Oh yeah, put rainbows. We'll, we'll make money off the non-straight population. There's that too. It's also not just altru altruistic. It's also pandering and capitalism is the best or worst. So I, I, they're just things that I think are, are just still reprehensible. And it's just because people rose up and demanded dignity. That's how it changed. And that the people that had, it's just funny that I think that the people that always had the power get mad when they feel like they can't treat others like shit anymore. When they feel like, oh, you can't say anything. You can't, you know, make rape jokes. You can't, you know, we can't make fun of black people anymore. It's just kidding. I like to call it Schrodinger's, Schrodinger's douchebag. You're kidding when people laugh. But yeah, yeah. You're kidding if people are mad at you. But you're serious when people aren't, aren't or agree with you. So, kind of the way I see it. No, oh, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I just find it interesting because <clears throat> to to follow up what you said, um, you know, when they made racist jokes, you know, about about uh, uh, ethnicities, it made me think of an old Tom and Jerry episode, to where something would blow up in, in Tom's face and he had blackface. And he'd have big lips and he would say something racist. And at that time, it was just comedy for that time. Or Blazing Saddles, they would say the N-word. You know, it would be comedy at that time. Or Jewish jokes, you know, um, you know um, accentuating the Jewish stereotype or the Chinese stereotype, stuff like that. That was just parody at that time. And so I think fast forward to this generation, I think what's going to happen... A decade later or two decades later 
they're going to go back and they're going to find something from this generation that they're going to deem offensive and that, you know, that they're going to, they're going to wipe clean or they're going to block or something like that. Now, obviously, I don't condone what happened back then. I don't condone it. But I'm just curious to see what other things that will be changed, that, that they'll, they'll be erased, you know, due to, you know, um, ethnic or just, you know, or just moral uh, sensitivity. It's hard to say. It could be anything. But I just think that um, when diversity is continually um, embraced and the world becomes smaller in a sense, we will see a different um, set of norms come to pass. And I think because the past was so... Um, it was easier to be homogenized. It was easier for people to kind of like, you know, there's America where there's like this. When, when you really take a look, it's not. Or like, you know, when you see more people of multi-ethnicities, it'll become different. And so culture will change and things will be different, maybe. Or it could be also the opposite. It could be a backlash. It could be, you know, like extremists that just have those, you know, that fantasy of everything should, everything should be like the 50s. <laughs> And then maybe we'll have some really insane, horrific culture-based con- conflicts in the world. And if that's the case, you know, they're going to not make Snow White, excuse me, they're not going to make uh, Ariel from Little Mermaid black anymore. And I'll just totally ruin it. <laughs> Next thing you know, they'll make Ghostbusters with all women. <laughs> <laughs> it actually happened, folks. It actually happened. And it sucked. But uh, <laughs> now, do, do you have any other topics or should we delve into rants? We can go to rants. Okay. So, shall I go first or, or you shall take the helm? Certainly. I want to know what you were ranting about today. <laughs> I, hmm. This is, this is a tough one because I don't have too much to rant about you know, this week. Now, granted, I could rant about the obvious. You know, we we all know we all know what the obvious is, folks. And I'm gonna yes, keep but... I'm gonna keep my political self out of it, because no matter what, no matter what way you straddle, what no matter what side of the fence you're on, you're going to upset somebody. So I'll say this about that: I'm not too big on wars. I'm not too big on killing people. I'm not too big into slaughtering innocent people or anything of the sort for any kind of political reason or for any kind of dick measuring contest or any stuff like that. Life is sacred. Granted, I poke fun at it and stuff like that. But in the end, life is sacred. So that's my little, 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 little filibuster on, on something like that. Now, on to the silly and stupid rants. <laughs> Why can't people appreciate being in their homes, Kevin? Why can't people appreciate it? Now, and I'll expand on that here in a little bit here. Now, let's travel in the, in the way back machine. Let's go back to the pandemic era, you know, where everyone was just afraid of just the unknown because that's how everybody is. If you don't know something, either you try to learn about it or you're just scared of it to the nth degree. Now, when everybody was in their homes, I was in my new apartment. Very, very blessed, very, very lucky to have that. And I watched the news and I watched, you know, people just freaking out in their homes. And the main thing I noticed 
is a lot of people complain about being inside their homes. And me growing up, you know, not having too much, just just how we, just how way life was. I enjoyed um, relaxing in the fruits of my labor. I worked hard for my for my home. I worked hard for my castle. So if I got the chance to be in it and enjoy my castle, I'm taking full advantage of it. I just didn't understand through my narrow eyes, I guess, through my narrow lens, to why people were just ter- terrified and just frustrated about being inside their house, not able to go anywhere. Um, so that's, that, that's my little rant. I enjoyed my home. I still got paid for being in my home. I still did my job, but I got to sit on my couch. I got to work on projects in my home. I got to really, really rediscover who I was and just enjoy the little bitty things in my house that I really haven't noticed before. So that's my rant. And any comment you have on that one? Yeah, I mean, I think it is nice when you have a nice place to to go home to and really enjoy your time. I think that some people have that kind of maybe like, oh, I'm missing out, like the fear of missing out FOMO. It's like, oh, something is happening in the world. I want to be part of it. I want to do it. I want to do it. And so they just see their home as just like the base of operations. And like, okay, this is just where I keep my stuff and I sleep and I eat and shower. That's all. It's like, oh, I have to do that. But, you know. Because, like, what else am I going to do? I can't just be out partying all the time. So they just treat it that way. And, yeah. It does, yeah. I think it's good that you appreciate where you live like that. That's, you know, or maybe just live in a crappy place. <laughs> they don't like being there. <laughs> so I can get that, too. Well, I mean, I mean even, even if it's a crappy place, it's your place. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, whether you worked hard for it or whether it was given to you, whether you're staying with friends or family or something, it's something that you have a roof over your head. You know, it's security. Because I realized many, many years ago that anything can change in the blink of an eye. And everybody mm-hmm. understands this. You know, one minute you have a tremendous roof over your head, you're comfortable, the next minute you're living out in the streets. You know, so why not appreciate what you have for the time that you have it? And it was a real eye-opener you know, to see that so many people were, were complaining and and uh, I'm trying to, I, I don't want to throw that name out here, but Ellen DeGeneres, the actor, comedian, was complaining about being inside of her house. She was like, it's like a prison being inside my house. <laughs> and exactly. I laughed too. I'm like, you're a multimillionaire with a multi-level house that's acres and acres long and you feel like you're in a, okay, sure. Donate some of your money to me. And I guarantee you, I will enjoy, you know, the humongous house I'm going to be in. But, you know, I mean, I, well, I digress. And that, that, was, that was my little rant. Uh, I think it's your turn, sir. All right. Thank you. Well, my rant is about ignorance. Um, there's this uh, psychological phenomenon called the Dunning-Kruger effect. Um, broad, very broadly speaking, it's about how when people are too overconfident, they can't see their weaknesses. And in the casual sense, possibly, it could be interpreted as people are so ignorant, they can't understand how ignorant they are. It's, I just hear it manifest a lot of times in how, like with some of the hot button issues of the day, like, oh, I, I can't, I don't understand how vaccines work. Therefore, that's they're terrible. Or like, <laughs> I demand a double-blind um, 
double-blind uh, study that's not, you know, funded by any company. And, you know, I don't, so what do you mean, you know, I'm already, this technology just exists already. And I don't understand it. There's something going on. It's conspiracy. It's the D plus student demanding a, you know, a PhD level of 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 of, of information to be to be disseminated to them. It, it just it's really strange. It's like sometimes you you're people are demanding to understand these things like when they don't even have the fundamentals. I dare I dare you know. Each one of you out there, ask somebody, ask somebody, what's the scientific method? Tell them the steps. Ask, I bet, you know, I don't know if they'll be able to tell you. Like, they're wanting to, they just want to understand these really high-level concepts and are unwilling to truly have, go in there with an open mind to understand the, the principles, the work that people have made to make these areas of knowledge uh, that has benefited humanity. They, you know, it takes a lot to get to that level of understanding. And if they're not willing to do it, it's almost like they're using this. Um, they're abusing another uh, philosophical uh, thing called Occam's Razor. Occam's Razor, Occam Razor dictates that the simplest um, solution is usually the most correct to a problem. Uh, to paraphrase, so it just really. It's really unsettling to me and really bothersome when people say something like, oh, 5G is going to give you cancer. Like, do you know what 5G is? Do you know, <laughs> understand the nature of cancer? Can you back it up? Can you give me any sort of logical explanation, any sort of scientific proof? Have you read a scholarly article about it? Or did somebody try to hawk vitamins tell you this? Or some religious, religious nut job tell you this? It's, it, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like we're we're sliding into a second dark age slash gilded age. So that's my rant. Well, I mean, the most popular thing that most people do, instead of doing the work, because the work is hard, Kevin. The work is so hard. <laughs> you know, you know, they don't want to pick up a book and try to read, or more or less, do this weird thing called Google, and do homework. On what they, you know, what they should know, or you know, or they go into a conversation not knowing what they're talking about. And trust me, trust me, I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes I I go into conversations unarmed, but at least I try to know the basics. So even though I may sound like a fool, I at least try to at least I try to figure it out. You know, I try to listen and I try to understand. But most people in conversations they will. They will go on their feelings instead of facts. So you talk about what's going on in the world, or you're talking about 5G, for example, and you know you approach the question about, "Hey, what's 5G?" Well, I feel it's this, or, 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 or I feel it's. I'm like, wait a second, I didn't ask you how you felt. I asked you for an answer, and if you don't know, it's okay. <laughs> it's you know it's okay if you don't know but do your homework before you involve yourself in a conversation the, the term i feel it halts the conversation instantly because there is no right or wrong feeling you can give an opinion 
And yes, opinions can be wrong, folks. It can be wrong. But the moment you inject the term, I feel, into something, the conversation's over. Because you can't tell someone your feeling is wrong. So. I mean, I mean, there's actually, when you, if you really dissect it, you can kind of um, dissect intuition. Intuition being a collected, um, a collection of experiences that form, form your, your predisposition to see things a certain way. And there is something that you can't, like preference, it's beyond logic. It's so much more nebulous by design. But, you know, there are some things that people shouldn't say just go kind of going to it, just going with their emotions. Once I was um, entertaining the thought of what makes an, an immigrant and what makes an expatriate. And then I asked somebody, and I was like, hey, what do you think of what? What do you think of expatriates? And then he's like, oh, that's just somebody who doesn't like their country anymore. I'm like, <laughs> not at all. 100% incorrect. <laughs> uh, oh, that's tremendous. Sorry. I, 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 didn't, mean, I didn't mean to laugh what, you know, like where you were talking. <laughs> right. It's, but it's like, I think it's just too easy for people to um, form an opinion rather than take, like, take a minute and think, okay, and do I know enough about this subject at all to truly make an informed comment? It, it, and usually no. I think it's just, sometimes it's just like, okay, oh, the economy is bad just because of this. One thing, those damn liberals, when, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, tell me, tell me a gross domestic product. Go ahead, tell me about that. Tell me what's the difference between macroeconomics and microeconomics. Tell me about that. And if they, you know, they just kind of shoot their mouth off. Yes, I mean, they go towards a typical phrase. Oh, those damn Democrats. Those damn Republicans. Oh, the president yeah. is doing this. Oh, the president is doing that. You know, and I'm like, no, I didn't ask that. I asked you a simple question. Yeah. And if you don't know the answer, say you don't know. <laughs> it's, it's okay. Maybe just people, yeah, but just, maybe, is that a thing where just people are just so terrified to look dumb? Is that just it? Well, to, it's it's about what you touched on earlier. It's about ego. You know, hmm. you know, it, it's about ego, and some some culture. Not, I, I don't want to say cultures. I don't want to be misquoted, but some people love not to know. You know, you know the old Chris Rock joke. Some people love not to know. You know, because hmm. they don't want to. They don't do the work, and they'll come up with some BS answer to make themselves look to make themselves sound much smarter, and they're not. You know, instead of having their ego bruised and saying, hey, I'm not familiar with this. Or, hey, I really don't know. Or, hey, I really didn't follow this. They'll come up with something just to, just to add in. So you'll, so you'll have a long paragraph about, about some, something facts that's going on in the world. And then Joe Bob in the background going, oh, well, you know, if Trump was in office, America would be great again. No, that had nothing to do with what we're talking about. You know, kind of thing. You, you just want to be a part of the conversation. Thank you, Jimmy. Sit down before you hurt yourself. You know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yep, I've, I've actually had that happen before. <laughs> just some random, just like, oh boy, why? <laughs> yep. But, you know, but, but it is what it is. And it's something that's been going on for years. And, and you know, I find myself, I, I, I catch myself doing it sometimes where you're in the heat of conversation and you want to be heard 
and sometimes people will blurt something out and you catch yourself. You know, I've done it so many times. I want part of a conversation instead of doing my homework like a normal person, you know, I'll, I'll shout out something and be part to be part of it. Cause that's just, that's just what we do, you know, as a society. So I'm, you know, I'm definitely trying to improve on that. So especially having conversations, you know, with you and Jeff and stuff like that, I want to be in the know. Listening to cereal and beer, cheap plug. Uh, I listen to, <laughs> I listen to the events that you guys talk about. For just a brief example, and then we'll close the show. A brief example, um, you mentioned or Jeff mentioned um, an event um, to where there was a fencing tournament, and um, and a person that won did not want to touch swords. Excuse me, did not want a handshake uh, with the Russian. Instead, offered to touch swords. Now, do you guys remember, do you remember that conversation? I do, I do. Yes, mm-hmm. and I listened to that, and I did a little bit of research. I'm like, okay, this is interesting. Now I know why they're talking about it, so now I can speak on it a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I didn't want to say, oh, that damn Russian. You know, I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> you know, look <laughs> it up, read about it, and then form an opinion. But, you know, but that, that's just me. Sorry, everybody. We should all be touching swords. <laughs> that sounds really bad in so many ways, but <laughs> and that's why I said it. <laughs> so, so as the show comes to a close for this week, uh, of course, we'd like to thank everyone for downloading this show, listening to it on the twenty-one free different apps uh, that we offer this show on. Whether, of course, whether it be Spotify, iHeartRadio, Good Pods, Podomatic, everything in between. Just do a Google search for the Walker. AC experience, that's where you can find us. Subscribe, comment, reach out to us, shoot us an email under slacking majestically01 at yahoo.com. That's slacking majestically01 at yahoo.com. Also, once again, their latest edition of Cereal and Beer is now out with Kevin Yu and Jeff Asai. You can find them mainly on Podomatic. Be sure you subscribe to them as well. And of course, they're on the Walker AC network as well. So give them a give them a listen to. Way more intelligent than me, way more entertaining than me. Uh, and of course, stay tuned for all of our shows coming up, whether it be the Out of Context podcast, or you can always go to Apple Podcasts, for example, and listen to all 350 episodes that we've ever done for the past four years. And right now, we're coming up on the 50th, 50th I can't talk today, um, edition of the Out of Context podcast. So keep an eye out for that one coming up within the next week or so. I'd like to thank uh, my co-host, my partner in crime, my good friend, my best friend, the friend who sets me straight, uh, Kevin Yu, for another great edition of the show. Anything you'd like to uh, give some last minute, last words of wisdom before we close out? Yeah. Um, don't hate on pumpkin spice so much. It's a nice flavor. <laughs> Honestly, small confession, Kevin. I've never tried pumpkin spice anything. Oh, well. <laughs> a flavor adventure wastes you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, you're working at, working at a gas station that serves pumpkin spice coffee during this time of year. I like the smell. You know, it, it smells very nice, but never tasted anything pumpkin spice. It was the old meme, the old joke that white people love pumpkin spice season. But... Never really tried it. I mean, and, I mean, do you enjoy it? Well, yeah, it's good times. 
I mean, but you, if you're going to try it, you might as well try it a nice version, not just, you know, some something you get from, you know, the murder mark, <laughs> the syrup that's, you know, leftovers. Try something nice, you know? I, I hope you like it. Well, I mean, um, I will give anything, a, I'll definitely give anything a try once. Um, but, uh, yeah, why not? Give it a shot. And I'll be sure I dress up on Halloween like a sexy nurse. And, uh, I will collect all the Kit Kat bars from the kids because that's just how I roll. And uh, once again, thank you everyone for tuning in. Uh, this has been the Walker AC Experience. I have been Walker AC. He has been Kevin Yu. You've been our friends, our family, our loved ones, people who love listening to us, people who hate listening to us, but you're going to hate listen and you're going to like it. You know who you are. Good night, everyone. <laughs>